0: Good morning. How are you? Yeah? (laughs) It's a wonderful thing. It is so great that we can gather. The fellowship that happens when the church gathers together is truly amazing. And when you think about God's faithfulness and what He's brought you through this past week and realize that that same faithfulness, is providing for you for next week, and you don't even know it yet. Our next song that we're going to sing together was inspired from a sermon by John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace. He said, Are you not, are not you amazed sometimes that you should have so much as a hope that poor and needy as you are, the Lord thinks of you. But let not all you feel discourage you, for if our physician is almighty, our disease cannot be desperate. And if he casts none out that come to him, why should you fear? Our sins are many, but his mercies are more. His sins, our sins are great, but his righteousness is greater. We are weak, but he is power. Most of our complaints are owing to unbelief and the remainder of a legal spirit. And these evils are not removed in a day. So our faith walk just continues until he calls us. Let's stand together, please, as we sing and think about his mercy being more. is thy faith Just voices, chorus, last time.
1: Great
0: is
1: thy faithfulness. Parts.
0: you have done so much for us in the finished work of Christ alone when we think of our sins, the debt that has been paid for, and the relief and release that we feel because we've been freed from the guilt. Father, may it cause us to live lives sold out to you. Father, as we're about to hear uh, announcements, things that are going on on around the church, may we remember that these are opportunities of worship for us to plug into the things that you're doing here. Later, we'll, we'll talk about our giving. Father, that's an opportunity for our worship as well as we just give back to you what you've provided and challenge us to do so, to watch you multiply it in our sight. And then as we spend time in your word. This is, Father, where the Holy Spirit changes us. Again, it's, a, it's an aspect of our worship as we are being conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, until he comes. So, Father, be with us the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated as Mr. Bill comes.
2: I'm resisting. I'm totally resisting. Good morning, church. Welcome. We are so glad you're here, and we just love to connect with you, even if we do make corny jokes. Um, you know, I, 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 I am privileged be able to be on the stage with these people this is a, a wonderful choir and orchestra they're doing an amazing job and I just feel privileged just to be able to come up here behind me <laughs> we have a few announcements for this week we have a um, Lifehouse night of worship coming up on November 1st that's a Wednesday night and if you haven't had an opportunity to be here on a Wednesday night and watch all these children run around and have a great time and then come in here and do some worship We invite you to come do that with us. We also have a dinner on Wednesday nights. I'm kind of tipping my hand there. It might get over my head, but we have a dinner here on Wednesday nights also that you're invited to. We'd love to have you come. Um, On November 4th, we have a ladies' event called Sojourners, and there will be worship and preaching in this room, and then over in the CLC there will be dinner. I'm sorry, but it's only for the ladies. It's from 430 to 7, and you can sign up for that out in the atrium. And then on November 6th, I'm sorry for all you young people, but if you're not 55 or older, we have a senior adult lunch that'll happen over in the CLC, and that'll be on November 6th, and we would love to have you there. We have a really good time with that. I'm dating myself. We just want you to have a great time of worship today. We are thankful that you are here. God bless.
0: This next song is one that we haven't done in just a little while, but you did very, very well when we first taught it. Yet not I, but Christ in me. But I just do want to remind you pay particular attention. The song is set off in parts, and the first part is an item, and then the second part is our response to that. It's what we resolve whether it's about Christ, whether it's about our situation, but our resolve to answer that. So let's stand together, look for those moments and that opportunity. It starts out one like gift of grace ready. What gift of?
1: My
0: Miss Judy comes. If you would please take a moment, welcome one another here this morning.
3: Her birthday. <laughs>
4: Good morning, church. It's so great to see all of you this morning. It's so great to see you saying hello to each other. It is an awesome sight to see. I am so always and so always and so always thrilled to be sharing the generosity moment with you. Today, we're going to take a moment and look at our time and our talents. That's a part of giving as well, not only monetarily, but giving of your time and your talents. You'll see on the screen behind me in just a moment, you will see our kiddos on October the 14th, we had baptisms for our kids. And what an awesome thing it is. You know, those things don't happen unless we have volunteers to help us. You'll see in the hallway all the confetti and everything. That took the volunteers and our children's staff putting that together. And without you, it doesn't happen. Our women's ministry without our hosts, that doesn't happen. Our men's, when they have a their gathering in um, February, that doesn't happen without all of you with your times and talents. Now, a lot of you have already given your time and talents, and you will continue. And some of you are thinking about that. And I just pray that God will show you which place to serve. We have so many places for you. So just pray about that. So I want to take a moment and have you pray with me for all of you and for our church, for all of you that have been giving your time and your talents and also your offerings. We love you and we want to pray with you. So would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Dear me, Father, Lord, I I lift up each person in this place, Father, each person in our church for all their generosity, not only in giving monetarily but of their time and of the talents and their spiritual gifts that you've given them as well. Father, I just pray that you will continue as we go forward. To give us the energy and the hope and the guidance of where we're supposed to serve. We just love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.
5: Well, good morning, church. Boy, don't we serve an incredible God. Isn't he an amazing God? I mean, his glory is incredible. What he's doing, the, work, the ways that he is working, not only in our own lives, but in our church. Isn't it amazing? Uh, Judy mentioned that we had some baptisms last week, and uh, it was just an incredible celebration. Our kids, can I tell you, just about an hour ago, we had four more young ladies get baptized. Isn't that incredible? And we got to celebrate them. <clears throat> Just an hour ago, we had five families coming forward to dedicate their children. Uh, I mean, that's what it's about. Our God is on the move and He is working and He deserves all the praise. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, hey, we're so glad that you're here and you chose to be here to worship with us. If you're new uh, or you're watching online, thank you, thank you. Uh, We just value that you chose to worship with us and hope that you're blessed this morning. Well, we've been going through a series called Divided Heart. And uh, we've been looking at the kings over Israel. And the series is called Divided Heart because the majority of the kings over Israel had divided hearts, right? Uh, They didn't serve the Lord wholly as he had commanded and required of them. Uh, They divided their ambition, their pursuits after their own worldly gain and lust after things of the world. And so we've been looking at that and this morning, uh, we're gonna find an exception. Uh, We're gonna be looking at King Josiah. And uh, how his uh, heart really was undivided before God. Uh, but you know, as I think about the kings of Israel, and I, I think really what happened in their lives, an example for us as we look at them, uh, what they did wrong, and how we should look to them as, as uh, examples of what not to do. You know, I, I think about it kind of like this and using the example of pizza, all right? I'm gonna hang with me. <laughs> Who likes pizza in here? All right. I know we're close to lunchtime. Everybody's hand should be raised, right? How many of you like pepperoni on your pizza? Okay. All right, most of us. How many of you like mushrooms on your pizza? A few of you. How many of you like olives on your pizza? Some people like bacon. Anybody like bacon on their pizza? All right. Who likes pineapple on your pizza? You can tell the, the pineapple pizza kind, you know. You all right. Hey, I want you to imagine for just a moment that you and I, we're gonna go get a pizza together. And we order an extra large pepperoni pizza. I think we can agree on that, okay? And we go there and we're really, really hungry, just like we are right now. And we get there and we order the pizza and you and I, we're waiting for our pizza to arrive and we're hungry and, and our waiter comes out, uh, just as we're about to expect our pizza and he comes and says, you know what? Uh, the pizza that our chef made looks so good, he got hungry and ate two pieces of your pizza. What's our reaction going to be? Hey, we ordered a whole pizza, not, not a partial part of a pizza. We ordered a whole pizza. We said, okay, we're feeling gracious. It's okay, not a big deal. Just bring us out the rest of the pizza. A little bit later, our waiter comes back, and he said, well, you know, they were getting ready to carry that pizza out, but the dishwasher in the back saw your pizza, and he thought it looked so good, he ate two more pieces. You and I are getting frustrated now. We're like, we ordered a whole, we're the customers here. We ordered the whole pizza. We expected a whole pizza. We said, okay, we're feeling gracious today. We sent it back. A little bit later, the waiter comes back and says, you know, I was carrying that pizza out and it looked so good. I ate everything except one piece. And he brought that one piece. Now, what are you and I going to be feeling? We're going to feel very disappointed, right? We ordered as the customers a whole pizza and what we got was one slice of the pizza. Let me tell you how this relates to Israel. Many of the kings of Israel, many of the people in Israel, generation to generation were required, they were called to give their whole heart to the Lord they were to give their whole obedience their whole surrender unto the lord but what they were giving is just pieces of their lives and their heart to the lord and see i think many of you and i we fall into that category sometimes see god deserves he expects for us to give him or for us to give him all of us all of our heart undivided give him our worship and our allegiance, But the problem is that we're not. But God deserves all of us because of who he is, because of his faithfulness, because of his salvation that he has given us. And instead of building places of worship in our lives and times of worship, uh, just like the people of Israel, we can abandon those times and those places of worship in our life and as we see in, in uh, really, in Second Kings, as we just looked at, uh, it had been so long since the people of Israel and the kings of Israel had given God their undivided heart that they'd abandoned the temple and they'd abandoned the word of God. It even talks about in, in the scriptures that uh, the high priest and those who Josiah sent into the temple, they, they found the book of the law. In other words, they had lost it. And for you and I, there's nothing, just like for the people of Israel, there's nothing more precious than the word of God and they had abandoned it. And see, it's an example for us that they were not giving themselves fully to God. But King Josiah comes along and it's, it's nearly 400 years uh, since King David reigned and united the kingdom and was a king that was uh, a man after God's own heart, but then uh, subsequently, although through those years, there was bad leader after bad leader after bad leader, destroying and, and disunifying the people of Israel, and they were worshiping false gods and leading them astray, but King Josiah becomes king. And in 2 Kings chapter two, verse or twenty-two, verse two, it says this: "And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and walked in all the way of David his father, and he did not turn aside to right or to the left." In other words, Josiah becomes king, and uh, his first thing that he does as king is he gives his undivided heart to the Lord to worship him. And uh, you know, I think uh, as we look at Josiah's story. And we looked at all these other kings who were divided by their conquest, their ambition, their drive into building their own kingdom. We we see King Josiah come in and he wants to be a man like David, a man after God's own heart, and he wants to give himself fully. You know, I think for us, why is Josiah's story important? Like many of the kings of Israel, you and I can live divided lives with divided hearts. Scripture says that uh, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We can be guilty, myself, to look and put our treasure in the things of this world and not the treasure of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we have. And so for us, there's a call. Just like Josiah, as he had entered into his kingship and, and tried to be different from the previous kings and from the people of Israel and wanted to give his undivided heart, I think there's a roadmap in there. I think there's a second chance. There's a testimony of second chances and how to give our heart fully to the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles, I want, us, I want you to turn to Second Kings chapter 22, and we're going to look here in verse 18. And if you can this morning, please stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. So King Josiah comes in uh, to office, if you will, and, and he, he begins to send his high priests out to examine the temple and they find the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord is read and uh, Josiah becomes undone and repentant before the Lord. And so we're going to see in verse 18 uh, really uh, what the Lord instructs to those who are going to bring back word to King Josiah. It says this, 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 18. But to the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus says the Lord, you say to him, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against the place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back the word to the king. May God bless the reading of this word. You may be seated this morning. See, the Lord was unhappy with the people in the previous kings of Israel because they had gone to worship other gods. They had abandoned the one true God and the the words of the law and the words of his commandments. They had abandoned the covenant relationship that God intended them to have. And so Josiah, as he hears the word of the Lord, he becomes undone. He becomes repentant. He becomes humble before the Lord. And, And I see in Josiah's heart an opportunity to turn things around in his own life, to worship again the one true God. And and I think, again, in Josiah's story, I think we see an example of what it looks like to give God our undivided heart. Again, we can live very divided lives to very divided hearts. Josiah gives us, I think, an example of how to fully give ourselves to the Lord. And so if you're taking notes this morning, giving God our undivided heart means taking ownership of that which divides you from God taking ownership of that which divides you from God. The scripture says that the first thing that we noticed about Josiah is that he was penitent, he was repentant. First thing Jos- Josiah does to undivide his heart in the kingdom of Israel to be an example was he repented of the brokenness that was in his life within the nation of Israel and he brought it before the Lord. You know, I, I think it's big of Josiah to do this. Right? Josiah could have uh, come king and he could have pointed to all the other kings who had led the nation of Israel astray. He could have pointed to the people of Israel themselves who had worship false gods. But what did he do? He took ownership as king and accepted the responsibility that he had to repent before the Lord. You know, it would have been easy again for Josiah to point and blame others and past leadership, but that's not what he did. He took ownership, he humbled himself. You know, in our lives, when we sin, when we fail, when we make mistakes, when we're not living fully for the Lord as we should, can I tell you, it's easy to blame others. It's easy for us to to look and and to want to point the finger, but if we are going to have a right relationship with the Lord, we've got to take ownership. We've got to humble ourselves before the Lord. Because until we take ownership of our sin, of our need for God, there's always gonna be barriers between us and God and burdens that we continually and constantly carry in our lives. The scriptures say that Josiah was pennant penitent. And you know, the act of uh, that is, is repentance and it's acknowledging what we have done wrong before the Lord or what we need to confess before the Lord. And it's owning our actions, good, bad, and ugly, and submitting them to God. But it also takes actions. It's turning away from them. It's not just confessing, it's taking action in our life. If we are truly repentant in our heart, it should change our life and our behavior. And that's what we see in Josiah's life. You know, I heard a story uh, many years when I was at a church conference uh, about the power of repentance in our life and the, and really, when we uh, choose not to repent, we carry burdens and we build barriers between us and god and uh, A pastor was talking about as a young child about some trouble he got into as, as a young kid and uh, he and a, one of his friends were, uh, lived near a big forest, and, and they decided as boys they would go over to this forest, and they were going to build a little campfire, and they didn't have any malicious intent, but uh, because of the time of the year and where they were, uh, that, little for, that little fire that they started blazed into a giant forest fire, uh, claiming thousands and thousands of acres that were burned, and many homes were burned. And it became quite a big deal in their county, and their state, and uh, as as there was a lot of devastation and loss, uh, authorities began to do investigations. They began to wonder who was responsible for these fires, and they wanted uh, to find who it was. And uh, the pastor that was talking, he says, the amount of guilt I carried on my life for those few days uh, while they were investigating who was responsible was unbearable. I constantly had this guilt on me and, and, and I, I was scared to confess to it. I was scared to take ownership of it because of the consequences, because of the shame that it would bring on my family. But I got to a point where I could no longer bear the burden of carrying with me the responsibility that I had in starting those fires. And so he and his friend humbled themselves and they went to the authorities and they confessed that they were responsible for this fire. There was huge consequences to pay. There was a lot of shame. But he said in his testimony that I would not have done it any different because I could not no longer bear the burden of carrying that. For you and I, there's an example. Some of us, were are carrying the weight of our, our sins, the weight of our burdens, the weight of things that we have not confessed or given over to God. And can I tell you, it creates a barrier between you and your relationship with the Lord not to mention it is a burden that you will carry with you daily. Hallelujah, that our Lord and Savior doesn't call us to bear those burdens. He says that we can confess those sins before him, and he is faithful, if we are faithful to confess them, he is faithful to what? Forgive them. We serve a forgiving God who is able to redeem us. But for us to experience the life-giving relationship that Jesus has called to and and for the people of Israel and the kings of Israel to experience the covenant relationship that God intended them to have, there had to be repentance involved in their faith. You and I are no different. Acts 20, chapter 20, verse 21 says, I have declared both Jews and Greeks, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what your past is, no matter what burdens you're carrying, you and I are called to repentance before the Lord. The good news is God receives us. We already know that he loves us through his son's sacrifice on the cross. What burdens are you carrying that you need to surrender before the Lord? Don't keep that barrier up. Don't carry it anymore. Surrender in repentance to him. Second thing you can write down if we want to give God an undivided heart, it means bringing our pride to a place of humility. Bringing our pride to a place of humility. You know, maybe one of the most powerful ingredients that we can have in our life to ensuring that we have an undivided heart with God is humility. But I would go a step further. If you want to be used by God for his kingdom and his glory, the thing that God is looking for in your life is humility. Humbleness before him. And we see this in Josiah's life because, listen, Josiah was a king over a nation. He had authority. He had power. He had position. He had riches. He had command. Yet the king said in humility, I am undone before the Lord. We need the Lord's presence and power in our nation, in our lives. To me, what Josiah was saying, he said, you know that there is a name who is greater than mine. There is a king who is greater than me. He said, you know that there is a kingdom grander than the kingdom that we are in. Do you know that there is a purpose higher than the purposes that we have? That's what Josiah's testimony and humility said. Church, there's a name greater than our name. There is a kingdom greater than than the kingdom that we are building here on this earth. There is a God who we serve. His purposes are greater than our own. His name is Jesus. We need to humble ourselves before him. Uh, I love what an author said, John Dickerson, and he writes a lot on humility. He says, humility is not an ornament to be worn. It is an idea that will transform. You and I When we embrace humility in our life, it is a pathway of transformation through the power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, what that helps God do is to say that we are available. God, work in my life. God, you are the one whose strength I need in my life. In my weakness, make your strength perfect. You know, humility, again, is is key to experiencing that transformation The problem is often the way that we find humility in our life comes as the result of a diagnosis of a struggle in life, maybe uh, through inward struggle, through a loss. But for you and I, the key is not to wait till those circumstances come to humble ourselves. The key for you and I is to each and every day be humble before the Lord, declaring our need for him to work in our life. Where is there pride in your life that needs to be humbled before the Lord? You know, pride, pride is a funny thing. It, it can disguise itself in a lot of different ways, especially in our relationship with the Lord. I mean, for us, I, I think pride, you know, uh, thinking that we don't need God's help. Maybe that's a, an easy an example, right? You know, going to the Lord and say, I got this, God. That's an example of pride. But there are other ways that pride presents itself as as not seeking God's approval and guidance in our daily decisions. Think about how many times that we just do something without consulting with the Lord. That is an area of pride in our life that needs to be brought to humility. Uh, Another area is not looking looking to him in our times of plenty, right? It's easy to look to God when we have uh, a need, but what about when everything is going as we think it should? still yet being humble before the Lord, understanding his faithfulness and his favor and showing gratitude. How about about this? Pride can present itself as not surrendering portions of our brokenness over to him. Sometimes when we're dealing with hurt in our life or brokenness, sometimes we don't give it over to God. God, you, you can't heal that which I have in my life. You can't forgive the sin that I carry in my life. That's a source of pride in ourselves. But when we trust God, when we're humble before God and say, Lord, I need you. You're the only healer and redeemer in my life. We humble ourselves before him. Pride might also look like not trusting him fully with our future. God, I don't know how you're gonna work out tomorrow or next week or next month or how you're gonna do things. Scripture says he knows the number of hairs on our head, right? How is our God not going to be in control of our future? Trust him with it. You know, if we want to experience a relationship with God that is rich, that is life-giving, that's fulfilling, one that is not divided and uh, torn, we must bring our pride to a place of humility before God. Going to to God in full surrender. We see this in Josiah, and, and we see that God is frustrated with the people of Israel and their brokenness and, and, and really was going to hold them responsible for their actions. But as Josiah comes to the Lord, the Lord grants him grace and mercy. It's important for us to submit to the Lord in humility, it's important for us to submit in accountability to humility to others. Has there been a time in your life where you have been humbled? It's every day for me. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day, but I, I, a few years ago, I, I decided to go see a personal trainer. I needed some help losing some weight and getting healthy, and uh, you know, one of the first things that they do when you see a personal trainer is they kind of assess you, <laughs> your areas of weakness and where you might need a little help, and uh, of course, that involved getting on the scale. That was humbling, Right and I had to get on the scale in front of somebody, but then they took it a step farther. They had to do something, what's called a body mass index. Anybody done this before? Let me tell you, that's humbling. (laughs) They take these little instruments and that kind of basically pinch you in not so nice of a way. And they look for areas where there's a little bit extra. I'm not going to go into all detail, right? And they use those little instruments and then they pinch you. And the level of Stuff that they get, <laughs> the level of fat, I guess, that they get determines your body mass index. I've never been so humbled in my life. <laughs> if I had any self-worth going into that, uh, that uh, evaluation, it was gone when I left, right? <laughs> they humbled. I was humbled. But for me to experience the change that I needed to have in my life, for me to get healthier, I had to submit myself humbly for assessment. I had to submit myself to others so that they could coach me, so that they can guide me, so they could direct me to be a better version of myself. Listen, when we submit unto the Lord, God desires to give us better life in him. It's through our humility that we experience the fullness of our relationship with God. And we need humility not before the Lord, just, or just before the Lord, but we need humility before others. What I love about the church is that I have people in my life who can encourage me in a loving way. Sam, I see so much potential in your life, but you need to to work in these areas. That's accountability. That's humility before people. Listen, for us to experience the fullness, again, of what God has for us, we need to be humble before others. The, um, uh, John Dickerson, who, who wrote a lot on humility, you know, I think we throw a word around that word humility a lot. And he gave some, some, uh, some really understanding of what humility should look like. And he said, first this, and you can write it down, humble is a choice. It, it, we are brought to a place of uh, humility unwillingly, unwillingly, right? That's not true humility, right? If we want to be humble before others in the Lord, it is a choice that we must make before God. Second thing is he said, humble is willing, <laughs> right? Sometimes when we humble ourselves, some things are revealed to us and how we need to reshape our life. But if we're truly humble, we're gonna respond in a way that honors the Lord. We're gonna be willing to make changes. And the third thing that he said, which is kind of interesting, is humble is social. In other words, if you are truly humble before the Lord, you're gonna make known your need for God to work in your life. Just like when we go to people and our brothers and our sisters in the church, can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you encourage me? What is happening? We are humbly coming before another person saying we need your help. Which leads to the last point. If we wanna experience undivided hearts before God it means expressing outwardly the conviction God has placed inwardly in our lives. It's interesting. We look at King Josiah as he hears the word of the Lord. He, uh, he, he falls down. He's penitent. He's, he's Uh and, and then he also he comes before the Lord and he humbled himself. But it also says that he tore his clothes and wept before the Lord. Now, listen, if you want to get a right relationship with the Lord, I'm going to encourage you not to tear your clothes, Okay. <laughs> All right, at least if you're going to do it, do it at home, okay? But what that is an example of, what that is representative of in the scriptures is outwardly the king of Israel had fallen before the Lord God Almighty in worship and surrender. He was undone in the presence and the power of the word of the Lord. And the tearing of his clothes were a testimony of the conviction that he felt in his heart and his life. Uh, The book of Joel says this in chapter two, it says, and rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. The most important thing is that we rend our hearts to God, that we're humbled before him. But when we're humbled before him, we're seeking him, sometimes the Lord convicts us in such a way that it requires for us to have an outward response in our life. I'll give you a great example of this. We just celebrated baptism just, just an hour ago, and four young ladies came forward declaring outwardly what God was doing inwardly in their life. They were declaring outwardly that inwardly they had made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior there was a boldness of their testimony and they were declaring to their friends and their family and to all those who are watching that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, friends. I don't think baptism is the only time that we should be declaring outwardly that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We should have a boldness in our faith, in our testimony. Listen, friends, if in our faith, the boldest we are is when we come to church on Sunday, we're missing the point. Listen, if the boldest we are in our faith is praying before a meal, we're missing it. No, God calls us to fully surrender everything and have boldness in declaring that unashamedly that Jesus Christ is the only way that we can find hope and redemption and forgiveness and through his salvation. We need to declare that unashamedly. And so I feel like as we look at Josiah, there was an inward conviction, no doubt, but he expressed that to those around him, to the nation of Israel, through an outward response. There should be an outward response to the inward conviction that God is putting on our hearts. Matthew 10, chapter 30, or Matthew 10, verse 32, Jesus said this, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Listen, what Jesus is saying is that we need to be unashamed for the gospel. We need to be unashamed for our Lord and Savior. And it should compel us, it should move us in every aspect of our life to declare him as Lord and King over us. You know, I believe that each and every day is an opportunity to declare our trust in Jesus. And I don't think today is any different. I don't think this moment is any different. And for some of you in here, you need to declare hourly the Lord and Savior of your life. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith to put your faith and trust and hope in Jesus. Can I tell you today's the day that you can do that. You can declare that. You can come forward this morning as we have a time of invitation and and you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe there's not been a time when you've been baptized and and following in the lordship of Jesus and declaring outwardly what God's doing inwardly. What better time, what better place than now today? Maybe you just need to declare before others your humility and your need for the Lord our God. Today's the day that you can do that. God calls us to live in the boldness of faith and to be unashamed of the hope that we have in Jesus our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much for your word. And just as, God, your word uh, changed uh, the hearts and the minds of King Josiah, Lord, I pray that it would change us, that it would move us, that it would challenge us, that it would put conviction in our hearts. But it wouldn't be something that we just think about, God, but it would be something that we declare in our life and living for you. So this morning, as we have a time of response, a time of invitation, maybe for someone they need to declare that you are their Lord and Savior, maybe they need to receive you, confessing their sins, humbly going before you, and receiving you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, if that's someone here today, I pray that they would come forward. I pray that they wouldn't leave this place without talking to somebody about what it means to have faith in Jesus. Because as your word says, we're not promised tomorrow. Lord, may today be the day that we trust you as Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And all God's people said, amen. As God leads, you come this morning. You come.
0: who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant our Lord Jesus equip you in every good thing to do his will by doing in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen. Amen